Baseball family, welcome to your source for the 2022 MLB playoffs with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Briggy Blue Eyes. Thank you for joining us live as we watch history in the making. And now, baseball together. Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. This is a special World Series edition. I am Brad, and I am joined by our guy on my left, Brig. Welcome, Brig. How are you this fine evening? Chilly. Otherwise, I'm really good. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> a little chilly. A little chilly. <laughs> it's like somebody blew some cold air through here, and I'm yeah. not a huge fan of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a little chilly over on this side of the country as well. Yep. So those of you who've been who have been following along with us during the World Series, we spoilers were not live tonight for those watching later, everything, um, because we wanted to go trick-or-treating with kids. So we're doing that and we wanted you to be able to do that as well, or watch game three, whichever you choose. Anywho, pre-recorded episode coming at you. Brig, we got so much to talk about. I feel like the current events and the news have been relatively slow during the postseason, which is nice. Well now. Right, you don't want an A Rod situation, especially in the World Series. But stuff has picked up this week, That's so right. here we go. The Kansas City Royals have hired their new manager, Matt Quatrero. Is that how you say that, Quatrero? I think so. Yeah, I think so. So he's their new manager. He was the longtime bench coach with the Tampa Bay Rays, and Jeff Passan, who I see as an authority for all things Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. says this is a great hire, and one yeah. of the reasons is because uh, the players love him. They absolutely love this guy. That's all I ever hear is that he's beloved, honestly. <laughs> and not just like like loved and trusted and so many other things. But yeah, this is going to be a great thing, especially with all the young talent that they have over in Kansas City. Hopefully he'll be able to um, you know, bring some of his youth into it as well. It'll be great. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it'll be good. I think it'll be good a good fit for him. And the Royals did the Royals disappoint you at all this year, Brig? Or I mean, I know we weren't expecting them to be like great, but I think we we're expecting uh, some of that youth to infuse some enthusiasm, some energy yeah. into that into that lineup, and it, it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think my biggest thing was when Bobby Witt Jr. Tra- tra- uh, moved over. Uh-huh. I was like, "What? What? Why? What? Stop!" <laughs> And then yeah. that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was an interesting year for the for the Royals. Uh, looking forward to. I hope that this works out for them. I'd like to see them get back to the top of the AL Central. Um, relatively weak division, so it could happen. We'll see. We'll yep. see how it goes. Now let's go over to the World Series real quick. Uh, there was some interesting happenings the other day within Game One. Uh, Major League Baseball stopped Martin Maldonado from using um, illegal bats that were gifted to him by Albert Pujols. What? So if you've seen this headline <laughs> and reacted to it the way I did, you like had all these rut row thoughts and feelings about cheating and well, potential... especially with the way Pujols hit the second half of the season. I was like, right. Yeah. I, I heard that it was illegal and I was like, uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Like, it was really it uncomfortable. Here's what's going on in, in 2010 major league baseball, improved they're saying but tightened up the standards on maple baseball bats just across the board they said here are the new standards um players using old bats that didn't meet those qualifications were grandfathered in and allowed to continue using the old standard bat however 
um, anybody who came into the league 2010 or later and was using that bat uh, or was swinging maple needed to have the new standards. And so manufacturers got all the memos and everything like that. The point is Pujols gave Martin Maldonado six of these bats to use during the World Series. And he used it in game one. And Major League Baseball caught on somehow, found out, and said, hey, you have to knock it off. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Because <laughs> Mar- Maldonado came into the league, I think, in 2011, which means he was not grandfathered in, and he's not allowed to use those old bats. But Albert Pujols still could. Now, here's the burning question we're all wondering. is What does illegal mean? Basically, the league is stressing heavily that this is a safety issue and not a competitive issue. This is not a performance issue. This has nothing to do with pop or the bats handling in any way. (laughs) Right. It's ultimately only a safety issue. That's what the league wants you to believe. However, my belief is if it's a safety issue and the, there's an issue on the field that that could make it not safe, and you say, we have to stop making it unsafe, then you can't onesie-twosie make it unsafe when you think it's okay. <laughs> you right. have to make it, it, either, it either stays unsafe for everybody or it's instantly safe for everybody. The end. Right, yeah. I think that makes so, perfect sense. If there's no competitive issue, why are you grandfathering people in? Yeah. And and I can kind of see like it would make sense to me if Major League Baseball was like, okay, we understand you like this bat, but we're deeming it unsafe. We'd like to phase it out of the league. And and the other thing too is like the average yeah. career of a major leaguer is so short that I'm sure that they were like, these guys will be out of the league in two years. We don't have to worry about these bats anymore. But then oh, you've yeah. got the unicorn off to the side with Albert Pujols. 50 years later, still using this bat, right? That they've decided <laughs> yeah. to get rid of. Yeah. And then it pops up in the World Series 12 years later. Right. That's like, it's so random. But yeah, Major League Baseball five years ago, seven years ago should have been like, okay, Albert, it's time for you to change your bat. Not Maybe it'll help things in Anaheim. We don't know. Yeah. We don't yeah. Know. yeah. But no, good, it's good point. I don't know. I feel like Major League Baseball is so like halfway on so many things. Like, Safety here, right? With this, like it's mm-hmm. a safety issue, but you're fine, Albert Pujols. Mm, I don't know. It's it that that's a weird thing. But the other thing that I feel like they've only gone halfway with is is the pitcher checks, right? Like there's a whole thing with Framber yeah. Valdez. He was like rubbing his, and, and so he's left-handed. He's rubbing his right hand, and a lot of people are like, oh, he's got a substance there. It's like, okay, well, if he does, first off, the Phillies said they weren't concerned about it. That's a very important detail. Right. Like, that's a really important detail that if the Phillies said they weren't worried about it, we shouldn't be worried about it. Right. Because we don't want to make this a bigger deal than it is. Right. But Major League Baseball has made such a big deal out of the pitcher checks. But at the same time, they're doing them after the inning. Because the pitcher, we saw with Valdez doing this, he's rubbing his hand on his shirt. Like, that's so easy to do. I don't think Major League Baseball has taken any of this seriously. It's all just visual, right? Just to appease the fans. Yeah, Yeah. optics. Because if you wanted to, if you really wanted to crack down on pitchers, you check them as they're coming out of the dugout. 
Uh-huh. Because that's when they're going to spider tack up or whatever is when they're in the whatever. dugout. And rather than giving them an entire inning of using it and then wiping it off on their pants or getting dirt on it. So, it, I don't know. It's weird. It's all weird, and it's all inconsistent. It's <laughs> Rob Manfred making it up as he goes. <laughs> The poor oh, guy is just a figurehead, though, right? We've I learned know he is. I know he just—he's the messenger. That's he all. is. Well, <laughs> we all know what happened in Titus Andronicus to the messenger. So, anyway, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows Brig. Everybody knows what happened to the messenger. Everybody. Anyway, let's move on. About. Let's move on to Nolan Arenado. Uh, he wants to stay in St. Louis. He opted in for the rest of his uh, rest of his contract. Five years, $144 million. And nah, I don't think anybody's going to turn that down, especially in St. Louis, because like Jim Edmonds told us, told us they have established an outstanding culture there. Yeah. Right. Like guys love it in St. Louis. Right. So of course he's going to stick around. And of course he's not going to turn out, turn down that kind of guaranteed money. So I don't blame him. I think it's great for St. Louis though. Absolutely outstanding it's for them. Wonderful. And it's great for Arenado. It's great for the fan base. That's what I care about. Yeah, it is great for the fan base because so I bought my first Mariners jersey in like that wasn't a Griffey jersey this year. Yeah, because Julio Rodriguez is going to be there for the rest of his life and possibly mine. Right. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like I didn't buy any, I didn't buy any shirts or jerseys with names on the back of them for a long time because I was like, that guy could be gone tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah, that's and right. And so having Nolan Arenado, knowing he's going to be there for at least another five years, is awesome for the fans. It's a big deal. I do the same thing. I buy Lou Gehrig and Derek Jeter jerseys. That's it. When I buy Those Yankees jerseys, names on the back of them. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> That's all I buy. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, yeah. So good for good for St. Louis, and they're strong at the corners for years. By the way, Goldschmidt over at first base. Yeah, they're set. They're good to go. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to Rob Manfred just for a couple minutes here because <laughs> this is really really interesting. Because yeah. I think this is pretty layered. Uh, so he, Rob Manfred confirmed that he is no longer optimistic about the athletics remaining in Oakland. He also commented on the Tampa Bay Rays situation, says he feels completely differently. He thinks that they are going to get a stadium agreement. They're going to get a deal and they're going to build a stadium in Tampa. Now for a little while there, it seemed like the A's, it looked like they were going to get a stadium in Oakland, right? Yeah. But now mm-hmm. he's saying, ah, oh, you know, I just, I just don't think so. And I feel like this that he's in on the ruse, right? He wants them to stay in Oakland. He wants them there. That man, or uh, David Sampson told us about that, that it's better for the league and expansion fees for teams to stay put. Totally. So he wants them to stay in Oakland. Yeah. He is part of the ruse to get this stadium deal done in Oakland. And of course he would be. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So that's what I I feel like this is. I think it's interesting because it's all politics. Because if you look on the other side, you you can find articles and information and people are writing on both sides of the argument with as much confidence about a deal being done in Vegas or a deal being done in Oakland. And it seems like the whole world is teetering between those two. There's not really a split in a third direction at all. It's, gonna, it's being driven in either direction right now between Oakland and Las Vegas. What I find really interesting is that 
nobody freaking knows <laughs> because yeah. you could you can find whatever you want on this topic it's like arguing that heads are better than tails on a penny doesn't matter yeah yeah, yeah. so we actually have a friend jesse who works for um a minor league baseball team in the a's system yeah. and so when he got there i was like i asked him i was like so what's the chatter what like what's going on with the team when they move to Vegas? He's like they don't think that they are. Yeah. He's like nobody here thinks they're moving to Vegas. Like, hmm. mm-hmm. I think I think otherwise. But it's interesting that organizationally, they are set top to bottom on that team sticking in Oakland. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, and that could be as that, but you could push that with a memo. Right, right. I don't. Yeah, you could. I, I, yeah, I don't think you hear. This is you hear those... rumors. We are not going to Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just push it out over the PA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't as know that were. I trust. Yeah, as you were is exactly right. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure. I'm excited yeah. about it though because it's drama, and I like drama. So it's true. It's like, um, like Jim told us in one of our newspaper writing classes. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, Joe goes, walks to and from work every day. It's not interesting. Joe gets mugged on Thursday. That's interesting. Yeah. This is Joe getting mugged. This is really interesting stuff. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And it's too bad. But it it is really interesting. It is. Yeah, definitely. All right. Brig Brig wants to tell us about Aaron Judge for either one or five minutes. I don't know. But we're going to give Brig the stage and let him talk about Aaron Judge for a minute. A little bit. Thanks, man. I'm going to be really brief about this because a couple <laughs> things happened that I think are really interesting. We talked about Nestor Cortez taking the opportunity to uh, name him, name Aaron Judge as the captain, you know, sort of in advance. Um, Rizzo has come out and said that, you know, he and everybody else expects Aaron Judge to stay in pinstripes in New York and be there and be the guy. And he also has now asserted that, that he'd be the captain. And it would be a shame if during the press conference he doesn't get a bag of money and he isn't named captain Captain all at the same time. Anthony Rizzo believes that that is what should happen in that order all at, all in one shot. I think that's really interesting. But then I was uh, reading some articles and listening to some stuff. And the Starting Nine podcast, which is a really interesting podcast, had Jake Arietta on the show. And Jake Arietta said that... Uh, He says, the fact that they booed, I'm quoting Jake Arrieta. He said, the fact that they booed Aaron Judge, if I'm him, I'd send them to some place that we're not going to say and say, I'm not coming back here. If you want to boo me after what I just did for you guys, I'm going to the Mets. He says, you don't have to boo the guy. You cheer for him when he's in trouble. Help boost him up a little bit. He's like, cut it out, man. I'm paraphrasing now. But he says, if I'm Judge, I sign somewhere else. Well, and that was kind of the narrative that came out this week, too, is that the players are fed up with the Yankees fans. There's a lot going on with the Yankees fans being toxic and that driving people away. The mm-hmm. players, specifically. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I'm and, sure there have been many players over the last couple of years who are like, I mean, Otani, he eliminated the Yankees early because he didn't want to play there. Right. Well, you saw what happened to Sonny Gray. He was yeah. rocket fire in Cincinnati. Like, unbelievable. Um, yeah. was it yeah, in Cincinnati? He, no, it was in Oakland. He was in Oakland. He was in Oakland. Then he yeah. went to New York, and now he's back to being great. Well, he was back to being great in Cincinnati. Now he's still great in Minnesota. That's right. 
that's exactly right. But he was chewed up and spit out in New York, and that was mm-hmm. before any of any of us Yankees fans realized that maybe we're part of the problem or, or anything like that. So I'm taking some time to be as introspective as possible. Um, <laughs> it's funny because a lot of Yankees fans are also coming out and saying like, like, get over yourself. If you can't handle it, then you don't belong. And I think that there's right. some real interesting valid arguments there too. I don't know right. what the right answer is. It is tough. It is tough because like, I don't, I don't want to be the guy who's like, you have to support your players through thick and thin, even though like you kind of do, you know? And I, and I do understand though, like if the product on the field is not up to snuff, there are two things you can do. You can let them know by booing. Right. Or you can not show up. Both so of which are point, negative reinforcement. Right. So at what point is not showing up more effective than booing? Because booing is just your vocal displeasure. And the owner's still like with his $100 bills. Oh, no, they're booing yeah. my players. But if you're not there, then he doesn't have as many $100 bills to wipe his tears with. Yeah. I feel like that would be more effective than booing the players. And I get it. You're there and you're frustrated with everything. But at the same time, though, like Aaron Judge, you're going to boo Aaron Judge. Right. And this is where my problem here. Right. And this is where my introspection has come. I never booed Aaron Judge. It'll be, I know it sounds like I'm just falling on my sword here, but I'm not. I've never booed Aaron Judge. Let me officially fall on my sword and say that I have booed other Yankees in the past, most notably Tyler Clippard, whose name we almost (laughs) never mention in my house. Like, that's one of the things that we don't do. Can't stand what he did in New York, and specifically in 2016. I'm still hurting. But <laughs> so I was booing him from my chair and very happy about it. Not no chagrin whatsoever, no guilt now. But the Aaron Judge thing is is intense. It needs to, it needs to be. I mean, at this point, the entire Yankee fandom, we, the royal we, have to do something to check ourselves, at least a little bit. Not a lot. You want to boo Aaron Hicks? Boo Aaron Hicks. Nobody cares, right? But Judge is a demigod out there, and we want him to be a demigod, and we want him to live on in perpetuity and have memories of him having been a demigod, the way we do with Jeter and the way we still do with Gehrig and the way we do with Ruth and Mantle and Maris, especially this year. Like, that's what we want for Aaron Judge. We need to treat him like that. Because there's a quote that I love that if you treat a man as he is, he will remain as he is. And if you treat a man as he ought to and should be, he will become as he ought to and should be. There you go. I have nothing else to add. That's <laughs> a great way to end, Rick. Thanks, Fantastic. Man. I like it okay. a lot. Right. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to recap uh, some of the World Series. We'll start with Game 2 and then we'll get into Game... Or sorry, we'll start with Game 1. We'll get into Game 2 and give you a little bit of preview for Game no matter which ballpark you're at you want to rep your team now you can with nine plus us welcome to the big city series with every design available in your team's colors you can fit in with the home crowd or stand out on the road either way we have the colors you crave shop the big city series and find designs that rep your favorite baseball podcast cheer from the cheap seats and much more shop the big city series only at nineplusus.com
All right, baseball family, welcome back. Let's talk about the World Series because it has been a wild ride, honestly. Game one, especially, was incredible. I was losing it. I was yelling and screaming and <laughs> doing all the things. And and luckily, from where I watch the games, my kid is protected from me, which is, I think, important for her future therapy appointments. Anyway. <laughs> I- <laughs> well, on Baseball Family, if you didn't catch it on YouTube or on TikTok, Briggs said, if you did not watch game one, you were wrong. And he is You're absolutely wrong. right about that. Everybody yeah. should have watched game one. If you haven't watched it yet, go back and see if you can find a replay. Because I mean, even if you watch like what, like the last three innings, eighth, ninth, uh, and tenth, maybe the seventh. No, eighth, ninth, you got to start on seventh. Yeah, I'd start the seventh inning. Yeah, then, it was uh, unbelievable, unreal, absolutely it was amazing. so good. I so first of all, let me say that uh, I wrote them off in game one. As soon as I was, I was halfway to writing them off when it was two to nothing, and then by the time it was five to nothing, I was done. Yeah, and I was, yeah, I was too. I was putting in the work just because I was going through the motions watching the game. Just, but I sat back thinking, no way. Okay, whatever. We saw this coming. This is entirely what I thought would happen. And then, boom, <laughs> they get through the fifth inning. Verlander got roughed up, and I don't even know how to describe it. He allowed five runs across five innings. Six hits, two walks, and only recorded five strikeouts. Five strikeouts in his five innings. I was shocked. I shouldn't have been shocked, though, because what I'm noticing and what Brad is noticing and what the whole world is noticing is that this is what Justin Verlander does in the World Series. And it is besmirching his Hall of Fame hopes and dreams. It is. I don't think so, it'll preclude him from getting in, but right. I think it is making it harder. So this is the thing. This is the thing is that like if anybody wants to talk down on Clayton Kershaw about his performances in the postseason, Justin Verlander absolutely has to be included in that conversation. If yeah. anybody anywhere is going to be like, well, Clayton Kershaw kind of a choker in the playoffs. Well, you got to include Justin Verlander because let's look at this real quick. In this just this year alone in the postseason, so he that was his third appearance because the Astros have played like next to no games in the postseason this year because they haven't had to. Um, but so the first game against the Mariners, he his offense bailed him out to be honest with you. He went four innings, gave up 10 hits, six runs, walked one, struck out three was all, and gave up a home run. Okay, it was just it was a hit parade against Seattle. But then he goes into New York and he redeems himself, goes six innings, strong innings, three hits, one run, struck out 11, gave up one home run and hit a batter. But then he comes into the World Series, and like Briggs said, five innings, six hits, five runs, five strikeouts is all during that time, two walks. Like he's pounding the zone like he does, but he's not overbearing against these good teams. I don't know what's up. Yeah. Well, and he gave up three. So the the Phillies come back from a 5 0 deficit. And it all started in the the four. It took to the fourth inning for them to score. Yeah, and they they scored three of those five runs that they came back from, and then in the fourth, and then in the fifth, they scored the other two, and then we were deadlocked all the way through the ninth inning. Through the ninth inning, the World Series went into extra innings. Game well, one, and it wouldn't have gone into extra innings if Nick Castellanos hadn't made that sliding catch, bro. The whole game was full of incredible defensive plays 
especially by Philly. Yeah. Like those dudes, their defensive game was so dialed in all day. And nobody expected Nick Casellanos to be the guy to make a heroic play. He, it's like, what? It was so dirt to dirt from Castellanos. Like, we just, I mean, I just sat there like this, like, oh no, oh no. It's they had runners in scoring position. Yeah, Altuve on second base. Man, and then he dove and slid and caught it. I'm still (laughs) excited. (laughs) So they asked him about that after the game. So, do you, did you think you would be able to make that catch? And he's like, you know, Sometimes during the season, I thought this was really interesting. It says, you know, sometimes during the season, it gets hard to stay focused and pay attention out there. He's like, but you get to the postseason, you don't have a choice. You have to stay focused and pay attention for every single pitch because you could have a situation like that. And I was like, man, that's really interesting hearing that from a big leaguer. I'm like, Wilson had a game that night and he's out in center field and I'm yelling. I'm trying to get him to pay attention. I'm like, even the big leaguers have a hard time paying attention in the outfield. I had no idea. I just thought everybody was like, laser focused because they were professionals right but i'm not laser focused on my job all day i feel like part of the key to being a professional is knowing when you don't have to be laser focused (laughs) that's a good point yeah Yeah, (laughs) i think you're right there's the video of altuve during the pre-pitches like throwing his glove up and down and spinning it around (laughs) and just horsing around and that's what i'm saying like you know when to be on and you know when to be off and i think that's right so you would think that when the ball is being pitched he's laser focused and let himself (laughs) relax between or between innings or whatever but i don't know maybe he's got a little bit of adhd out there (laughs) don't we all (laughs) i think we all do it's got to be the garden hoses anyway (laughs) (laughs) something (laughs) absolutely oh my goodness (laughs) so this so let's let's move on to extra innings real quick because jt romuto hit an extra inning home run this is the first time a catcher has hit a go-ahead home run in extra innings in the world series with the roof closed on grass (laughs) (laughs) ever in the history of baseball by the way the first time that's amazing yeah with the roof roof closed closed. (laughs) but it's the first time a catcher has hit a go-ahead home run in extra innings in the world series since carlton fisk you know that one in 1975 in game six the one where he's waving it fair yeah that one that's unbelievable (laughs) i came up with that stat just now break I loved it. Got very excited about that. I, I'm I'm still trying not to laugh out loud. I don't know. <laughs> Can't keep it together so, tonight. So the Phillies took game one. They took home field. Like that's the biggest thing for me is like when you're going in as a visiting team. Like if you can get game one, heck yes, you've got the job done. Who like game two is gravy at yeah. that point because you've got home field going home for three games. Like, yeah. And that's a huge deal. I hate the yeah. two three two format, but in this case, I'm like, go fails. Yeah, but right? no, here, here you are, here you are, telling us that home field advantage doesn't matter, and you're so against I, it, and you're such a poopy pants know about that it, it. Does but man, and now you're saying you're like, oh baby, and now they get to go home. <laughs> it's so exciting. I'm nothing if not inconsistent, break. <laughs> especially when it well, comes you to don't mess with advantage. tradition brad you just don't <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
You're absolutely you, right. You are as God made you. <laughs> <laughs> I am what I am, and that's all that I am. But let's go on and talk about game two real quick. All right. So, Framber Valdez, by the way, holy smokes, that dude was dominant. Like, Unreal. absolutely just mowed everybody down. He went yeah. six and a third, uh, gave up four hits, was all one run. Three walks was all struck out nine. So this was another quality start from him. He had 25 in a row this year. That's a record. And for yeah. those of you who don't know what a quality start is, it is an actual thing that is measured by at least six innings and allowing just three runs or fewer during that start. And Valdez, that's what he does. That is what he does. He keeps the opponents off the board. So I don't know. I don't know if I expected the Phillies to win that one or show the way they did against Verlander. Cause I was never waiting for that. I, I wasn't waiting for them to have that breakout inning like they did against Verlander. No. Right. Like the way that a, the way that he was dealing and the way that he works Valdez works is like this, this is the Astros game for sure. I was thinking so, maybe once they got to the bullpen, but that was the only shot they had. Okay. And I got to bring that up. You, that's a great point because their bullpen's amazing. Right. We've talked about that right. forever. And that's where they broke down in game two, which is more to the point that Houston's not infallible. And we saw right. that in game one, but then we, we, uh, uh, Phillies fans <laughs> saw that there's a way to exploit Houston's offense or, uh, defense through the, at the bullpen level. And I was, I, I mean, I was not sure that was possible. And well, here so we, here we go. So that bullpen for Houston, though, like they still only gave up in just a couple of innings. Like Rafael Montero went one and two thirds. Ryan Ryan Presley came in and pitched inning. They still only gave up two hits. Um, they struck out two. They walked one. But I don't know. It's really interesting because it felt like the Phillies had more of a chance against the bullpen. And I don't know if it's because they weren't striking him out at the same rate that Valdez was. So it's like they're putting him in play. Like I think it was Alec Bohm had a or no, it was Gene Segura. Gene Segura had a had a ball out to left field that was literally like five feet towards center of the Crawford boxes. Oh it's like if that ball is pulled just a touch more, it's off the wall for a double and a run scores. Instead it was an out. Right. Instead it was just a loud out. Yeah. And the runner doesn't advance. So I don't know. It, it's crazy, though, the way that they're able to get those outs. And and like I said, Ben did not break because that's what bullpens are supposed to do. It's true. So and that's yeah, been like the right. biggest thing. Because they only gave up one run in that in game one. Granted, it was a big deal. Yeah. But only one. Right. But that's why I think it's even more significant that they were the Phillies were able to punch holes in the bullpen in mm-hmm. game two at all. Right, because you get you get to a certain point, you're putting the ball in play enough. I feel like eventually it's going to break through. Yeah, right, and especially at home, like I don't know, like that might still be a routine fly ball uh, at the we'll Phillies see. ballpark. That might be close. I don't know. That might be off the ball. I'm not sure. I don't know exactly the dimensions comparing the two, but it feels like eventually they're going to break through with those if they can if they can just keep putting the ball in play. That's what's going to get them. Which is what we keep saying. The occasional Mm -hmm. home run to capitalize on all of the fundamental small ball that gets you through. And that's what happened in game one. Tons and tons and tons of small ball. Right. And then the game winning home run. 
Oh, and back-to-back-to-back doubles helped the Astros in game two. Exactly. But they were actually putting together quality at-bats with contact and putting the ball in play, which is what they were unable to do largely during game one Mm -hmm. and most of the season, to be honest with you. Right, exactly right. Yeah, that's what we talked about before. Yeah, I actually thought it was interesting that they hit that many doubles in a row to score that many runs in the first inning. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about Pat Hoberg, though, Brig. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of people probably saw this across social media because this is a really big deal. It's a huge deal deal here. They're saying, and I didn't back this up all the way, but this is the only only the second time that a World Series umpire has called a perfect game. Now, a perfect game in in umpire terms is obviously different than it is for a pitcher, but this is what it looks like for those of you watching on YouTube. Um all of the take calls, all of the balls that the pitch the, the batters didn't swing at were called balls. It, he has a 100% overall accuracy for pitches taken outside the zone. It's unbelievable. His overall consistency was 96%. That means a couple of uh, called strike accuracy was, was missed, but... Look at the impact. Well, well, so he called. So his called strike accuracy was 100%. But the consistency, I don't know how you can have an overall consistency of 96%. Yeah, actually, that's still true. be 100%. That doesn't, like, I saw that. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know if um, if it's because of that top section where it's white in the zone. Yeah. And that could be just that there were no balls thrown there. There were, like, there were zero pitches in that area. So he didn't right. have any to call. Right, because there are certain spots, like you look at a at a batter's heat map. There are certain spots where guys aren't going to throw, and like you don't if you're if you're throwing up if you're throwing a fastball up on a guy, you want it to be in because it's too hard to get in on that. And so I wonder if there just wasn't any fastballs thrown up and in on left-handed batters. Everything was up and in on right-handed batters. Yeah, this is what it looks like. So, and I wonder if that's why it was ninety-six percent consistency. Because if he had filled in that whole thing red. If there had been pitchers up there and he got those right too, I think he would probably be up to 100% on that. But 96, getting, I'll take that. The important yeah. part is the 100% accuracy on called strikes, 100% accuracy accuracy on called balls. And I'm sure, I, I assure you, Brig, there were times that people looked even on TV and thought, that does not look like a ball, or that does not look like a strike. And that's what it's going to be like when they're robo-umps. It doesn't always look like a strike, right. even though it is. Well, I we've heard from Phillies fans that, you know, say no way. They still don't believe it. And, you know, who knows? But this is umpire scorecards. We've been referencing them all season. We're going to continue to because we love the work that they do. And it jives with what we see nine times out of ten. So out of 89 called balls, they were true balls. And out of 40 called strikes, they were all strikes instead of being balls. It was great. I mean, it's awesome. That's why that's why Pat Hoberg is on this on this umpire crew too. Right. Congratulations to Pat, and thanks for doing a great job. Yep. The end. Yep. Let's this, take a break. I, yeah, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll take a break when we get back. Uh, let's do a, a quick preview of Game Three. The Nonlinear Sports Podcast is the home of sports talk for everyone. Every other week, you can catch David and Jason as they talk about all things sports. From current events to classic moments and everything in between, you can find the Nonlinear Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and more. 
please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back, baseball family. Okay, let's go ahead and get into game three. Game three is Monday night, Halloween. I mean, I think that's super cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I like sporting events on Halloween. I think it's fun. I've always wanted to go to one, but I haven't had a chance to. Maybe one of these days I'll go to like an NBA game or something here in town on Halloween. But anyway, before we get into that, let's do this real quick, Brig. If you have not jumped on to schnookseedery.com yet, head mm. over to schnookseedery.com and get the best seeds ever. You can use code BTPOD to save 10%. Help the show. Help yourself. Help schnookseedery. We love them. We think you will too. That's why we have the the logo there in the middle of our screen. Okay, let's get into game three. We have an interesting pitching matchup. Okay, <laughs> Lance McCullers is going for Houston. Lance McCullers is, has had a great season. Like, yeah, just been awesome. He's been really well this postseason. He's done really well this postseason. He went against the Mariners in game three in that marathon game that ended up being two. Uh, he pitched six innings, gave up two hits, was all walked to, struck out seven. It was a big part of the reason that that game went as long as it did because he was not given an inch to that Seattle offense. And then against the Yankees, he went in, let's see, what was this? It was game four, the final game of that series. He went five innings, gave up eight hits, four runs. Three of those earned, walked just one and struck out six. He hit one batter. So not as strong of an outing. I think he probably gave Yankees fans a little bit of hope there, Brig. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in Philly because he was he was on the road with his other two starts. So I don't I don't know which which McCullers are we gonna get? The one who dominated the Mariners all year and then continued to shut them down in the postseason, or the one who gave an inch to the Yankees. Yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. He's only pitched forty seven and two thirds innings all season long. Yeah, he was um, injured for a while. Yeah, so, but we've seen that that can be really beneficial for a guy in this late in the season coming in and, and you know, warming into his stride this late. So I think that's really interesting. He has an earned run average of 2.27 throughout those eight games that he's played in this season, and uh, that's pretty good. Small sample size. That's Not pretty bad. good. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Lance McCullers, honestly, is a really good pitcher. I would be, I, yeah. like, as a Phillies fan, I would be nervous for him, especially going up against Noah Syndergaard, who is uh, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum these days. <laughs> pretty shaky. I was really surprised yeah. that they, that they named him the starter. I am too. And this is why. So he finished the game, uh, game two against the Braves. He just went one inning, allowed one walk, struck out one, and it was a loss, three to zero. Um, you know, so he didn't. I guess he didn't really. He did his job by going out there, and not giving up runs, right? Mm-hmm. But it was only one inning, and then he he did play in. He pitched in game four of that same series. He went three innings, gave up one run, on one hit. It was a home run, but he did strike out three. So he showed there that he could he could give a few innings to you, yeah. Um, if you need him, he started that one, and then he came in and got a hold against uh, against the Padres. He went one and a third, and just just allowed two hits. Nobody scored, didn't strike anybody out. Not 
flashy, anything, but he got the job done. So I think that their plan here has to be to give him a quick hook. Right. This the is going to be an opener. Trouble, yeah. I th- I think you're right. I think it's that's how I feel. Opener, which is weird to do in the World Series. Yeah, I agree. I, so I was looking at his regular season numbers, similar to McCullers. He's had ten games. He's only pitched fifty four and two thirds innings all season. Yeah. It's a same, it's a very similar situation. The problem is his ERA throughout the season is four point one two. Right. So that's getting close to double what it is at Lance McCullers level. And that's bad news bears all the way around. So <laughs> I think that's the how technical many, term. It is. In the baseball world, it is. Um, yeah. Walter Matthau taught me that. The thing <laughs> I want to know from you, Brad, is uh, not Billy Bob Thornton, you youngins. Anyway, <laughs> get off my lawn. Okay, so I want to know from you, Brad, how many innings are we going to get out of Noah Syndergaard? Hmm. <sighs> Honestly, I could see I, – I think they'll be asking him to go three. Right, but what are we going to – I think they're going to ask him to go three. But what are we going to get? I think we get two and a third out of Noah Syndergaard. So he's 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 going to give up a couple hits in the beginning of the game, that first inning, right? Yeah. They may not score. The Astros might not bring anybody around. But I think when you get toward the middle of the lineup, there's going to be some information shared, like guys do, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. what's his curveball look like up there? What's his fastball doing today? You know, stuff like that is going to work its way down the bench. That that second inning, guys are going to come in and they're going to know what to do with it. I think he gives up yep. three runs and they pull him just to stop the bleeding. But yep. the Phillies bullpen has been money, money. absolute money. Right. They haven't he given just up a give run. Him a... Got to get him as close as possible to the to letting those guys really take over. And the yeah. the encouraging thing for Phillies fans will be the fact that their defense has been just stellar the last couple of games. Like it truly has been very impressive. And baseball family, I know it sounds a lot like we're saying if we were Philly, here's how we'd win, right? And part of that is because we feel that way personally. We we you know we we want Philly to win. We think the Houston's going to win though. And so let me just make it super clear that the only reason we're talking about all these Philly details is because we don't think they stand a chance in the long run. Right. So it's fun for us to break. You said five. I said six. Yeah. It's fun for us to war game this um, because otherwise, if there's no magic, then Houston's going to steamroll anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. It just happens to be Philly. Because they're that good. So, they're <laughs> that been good. been that good the entire year. Well, most of yeah. the year. I mean, they started slow, but once they figured it out, they, they're steamrolling everybody, like you said. So I don't think it's it's not it's, – it, it's barely even interesting for us to say, well, should they work their lineup a little differently? No. Dusty Baker's not going to change his lineup. He's made that very clear. Well, who are they going to bring in to pitch? Who's going to start? Whatever. It's been the same the whole time. This Lance McCullers thing is the only thing that's even interesting to talk about because it's a little shaky. Like, why are we bringing? He's been injured all year. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? But I have seen almost nothing from Dusty Baker to question anything that he does. So ultimately, that's why we spend a lot of time discussing what Philly might do. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because because Houston has their lineup. The only thing that's going to make it. Like, I don't, I'm not like, I don't want to jinx anybody, 
But the thing that would make this series the most interesting is if one Astros player, no matter who it is, got hurt. That's yeah, what that, would make this way. Yeah, more I hope that doesn't happen. But I don't want it. I don't want it to happen because I want, like, if Philly were to come back and win this thing, like bounce back from the game two loss and come and win this thing, I'm I know that Philly's fans would want to say that they beat a full strength Astros team. Yeah, because 100%. then forever, every time you come across an Astros fan, well, yeah, but so and so got hurt. Yeah, because that's what yeah, happens that. all the time. No, right? You no nobody and nobody wants that. Right. I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't even like talking about that kind of stuff. It makes me get the heebie-jeebies. And it's too close to Halloween, Brad. <laughs> Stop it. Trying to spook everybody out. <laughs> yeah, well, it's working. <laughs> All right? But we're not hating on Houston. I just want to make that super clear. We're not hating on Houston and loving on Philly. I I, I mean, maybe we are, but that's I not mean, what I I'm trying to I might be a little say. bit, and I've made that clear, and that's a, that's a division rival thing. So Yeah, I'm just... I, it's just less interesting because they're that good. They're they're just dominant, and when they're on, they're unbelievable. That's right. That's like why... I used to listen to um, a, a bunch of different sports talk, and one guy was like, "Dynasties are interesting. People like dynasties." I'm like, "No, dynasties are not interesting. Dynasties are boring. What's yeah. interesting is a 111 win Dodger team losing in the division series. That is interesting. Drama because that's not what you expect to happen." A 100-plus win Astros team losing to the six-seed Phillies team? That is interesting. That is a storyline that I'm like, yeah, eat that up. That's crazy good, you know? Yeah. And there are there are storylines with the Astros. We've talked about that before. You know, Vindication putting behind them 2017 finally. Like, that's right. a big deal. I feel like that's a really big deal for Astros. It's a huge deal. Huge. I also, you know, I was thinking about what we said the other day about the cheating and if they win and whatever. And I, I, I don't think it matters if they win or lose. I don't think it matters either. I think, I think it, we got to put it behind to... us. Yeah. It needs to be done. Yep. Put it to bed. Anyway, I think Philly is going to lose game one at home. They're game three, but their first game at home, I think they're going to lose. I think so too. And I, just because that, that Syndergaard start is really interesting to me. And that's like the big concerning yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. That this is not the Noah Syndergaard who was pitching for the Mets two, three years ago. Three, I guess it's three years no. ago now. This is a different. Yeah, no. It's a different guy, and it's unfortunate yeah. because I loved watching Syndergaard pitch. You Me know, too. back when he was dominant, when he when it was him and Degrom. But no, he's a different guy now, and yeah. having him start really concerns me. That that the Astros are going to be able to jump out big on him. But Philly Rob has made few mistakes and few personnel mistakes. And it'll be interesting to see what he does. And you got to trust him just as much as we trust Dusty Baker. That's He's right, because because you had to send Wheeler out there. He's your ace. He's your guy, right? And it's it just a really good offensive te- team jumped on him early. That's what yeah. happened in game two. And then, like we talked about, Valdez shut everybody down because that's what he does. Well, and, and so Nola it, got were, beat up too. Right. Nola did. Yeah. Their two aces got roughed up. Yeah. Yeah, and a team with this much offensive firepower, I feel like, is just a problem. For and they've been a problem man. for everybody, like we talked about for all year yeah. long. But anyway, but baseball family, let us know what you think about the World Series. Are we like completely off base? Like, I'm sure that we're going to get Phillies fans who are just like, no, no, yeah. they can't lose Game Three. And like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but let sorry, us know man. what you think. You can let us know in the comments on YouTube. Hit us up on the TikTok machine. We're there. Uh, that the comment section was active today. Thank you. Yeah. Those fans. 
He really was. <laughs> but you can hit us up there. It's kind of fun, actually. On, on uh, the, the short segments there where we post them. Anyway, uh, let us know what you think about what we're doing. Or you can send us an email in the mailbag. We're always willing to listen there as well. Uh, but reach out. Let us know what you think about what we're doing. Break, tell them about the shop real quick. We have a shop with stuff on it. It's like T-shirts and hats and things. And it's pretty cool. Um, so you can jump on there and buy stuff. That's really awesome. Um, it helps us. It helps you. It's really that's it basically. But if you want a discount on the cool stuff that we have in the shop, you can go get it. We have a survey out that you can access. And if you we'll put the link in the show notes, and so you can jump in there and grab it, um, fill it out and you get 20% off the shop and you have a chance to get more than 20% off the shop as well. So fill it out and you'll find out. But if you don't want to save money, that's fine. You can go to nine plus us.com N I N E P L U S U S.com. That's at nine plus us.com and buy yourself some baseball stuff. Especially before Christmas. Yeah, right before Christmas. Excellent. Very good. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Like we said, let us know what you think about what we're doing. Um, But subscribe, and then YouTube will send you notifications when uh, we post stuff. Because we're posting clips to the show all the time on YouTube, Bite Size, because we know that not everybody has time to sit down and listen to a 45-minute to an hour podcast. So it's all there for you. But baseball family, thank you so much again for joining us. And we will catch you after the World Series is over. Maybe a little bit sooner than that.